Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. We have spent the last six Sundays looking at Psalm 23. There are six verses in Psalm 23. So we've been taking a week to look at each verse. And today, I'm going to preach on another psalm that is even shorter. It has three verses. And it's Psalm 131. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said this about Psalm 131, that it's one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. So it's short, but it's long. <laughs> right? It takes a while to learn this psalm. And what we're going to discover when we read it together is it, it feels kind of like you're eavesdropping in on someone who has God's peace. It's someone who's examined their own heart and who has invited God into that process of examination, and they're able to quiet their souls. They're able to quiet all of the noise and rest in God amidst all the craziness and chaos in life. And I don't know about you, but that's something I want to learn how to be better at. Does anybody here want to learn how to be better at that? Or do you already have that lesson? Have you done the impossible? What Charles Spurgeon said will take the longest psalm to learn. Have you done it yet? Or are you also wanting to learn how to still all the noise and quiet so that you can hear God's voice better? Um, let's, look at, let's look at this passage of Scripture. Are you ready to be with Jesus in Scripture together? Okay, Psalm 131. Let's read this. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Let's read this again because it's short and we can. <laughs> Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. It's a good psalm, right? You can see it's a short psalm, but it's a long one to learn. To do what the psalmist is, is, is saying here is a, is, is a long journey, right? Because we have to learn it. We have to choose it. I want to read for you the anti-Psalm 131. <laughs> It's the upside-down Psalm 131. This was written by David Pallison, and we put it up on the screen. Let me read this for you. It's the exact opposite of what we just read. Self, I am absorbed by you. I look down on other people, and I chase after things too great and too difficult for me. So, of course, I'm noisy and restless inside. It comes naturally. Like a hungry infant fussing on its mother's lap. Yes, like a hungry infant, I'm restless with my demands and worries. I scatter my hopes 
onto anything and everybody all the time. So here's my question for you this morning. Which one of these is a closer description of your life right now? <laughs> and it's okay if you say the anti-psalm, right? Even Charles Spurgeon said, hey, it's the shortest to read, but it's the longest one to learn. Right? So it's okay if you look at this and say, I think my life actually is aligned more toward the anti-psalm right now than it is Psalm 131. Um, don't feel bad about that. Here's how I want to spend the rest of our time this morning. I want to unpack this psalm with you, Psalm 131, and explore a few ways for us to better align ourselves with it. And I'm going to start by, by saying that this psalm, David wrote this psalm, and, and David points out two specific postures that you and I are often prone to, that, that have a way of, of cluttering our hearts and our minds and our souls with, with static and noise and distancing us from God's goodness and, and leaving us feeling overwhelmed. And when we read the opening words of the psalm, Psalm 131, it's clear that, that David has examined his heart, right? And now he's submitting the results of that examination to God. He's looked at his heart and he's asked, his, asked himself some questions and done some um, inspection and examined his heart. And, and now he's bringing the results of that examination to God. It's his way of saying, hey, God, am I missing anything here? How many know when you do an examine of your heart, sometimes you don't see stuff or you miss stuff, right? Because our heart sometimes can deceive us. We can see, deceive ourselves, right? And so David submits his examination to God. And he starts by ev evaluating his own pridefulness. He says this, my heart is not proud. He's essentially saying, I'm not thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. I'm not acting like I have all the answers. I I'm not living uh, a self-absorbed life. And then right after that, he says this, my eyes are not haughty. In other words, I'm not acting in a condescending way toward other people. I'm, I'm choosing to believe the best about people. I'm not looking down on others, others around me. And, and there's a reason that David starts this psalm with a self-examination, right? Because David, the psalmist, knew this, that, that one of the things that gets in the way of us trusting in God, one of the things that gets in the way of us becoming a person of peace is our pridefulness. And pridefulness has a way of, of inhibiting our ability to trust God and draw near to him. Scripture tells us that God resists the proud but draws near to the humble, right? And so pridefulness gets in the way of us trusting God, drawing near to him, becoming a person of peace. And, and David knew that the antidote for pridefulness was humbling himself before God. And so that's what he's doing in the beginning of this psalm. Now, you have to understand that, that humility is not something we can pray for and expect God to just drop on our lap. In other words, we can't say here this morning, God, you know, you answer prayer, so just make me humble. And he just drops it on your lap and, wow, I'm humble. That is so crazy. That's not how it works, right? We know that, that humility is something we have to learn with God's help. So we can pray for it, and God will answer that prayer, but it probably won't drop on your lap, <laughs> It'll probably be like, okay, there's some lessons where now you have to be humbled and you have to learn how to embrace it, not run away from it. And, and it's something we have to learn and choose. And one of the ways we do that is by refusing to run away from opportunities that humble us. 
Right? I told you the story when I showed the financial slide. I, sh I told you the story about how that financial slide came to be and how it was a, it was a really humbling, awkward conversation. And, and when my friend told me, hey, it's not your church, it's Jesus' church, and, and, and we're all part of it, and you need to treat us like adults and share stuff that's going on, that was hard for me to hear because internally I had all this noise that was saying, you're so stupid, you should have known that. You ever had that happen? That's called being humbled. <laughs> you're, you're sitting there and, and you're submitting yourself to God. You're submitting yourself to, to others. And that doesn't mean they're always right, but you're listening and submitting. And, and sometimes it can be real uncomfortable. That's what humbling is. <laughs> right? So David humbles himself before God. He's saying, hey, is there, is there any pride? I, I don't think I have pride. I don't think I, I, I'm looking down at people, but I'm submitting this to you. And when we, when we talk about humility, one of the ways we do that is, is, is we submit ourselves, right? Now, here's an important distinction to make, because after that conversation I had with my friend, I could have walked away and just beat myself up, right? Oh, man, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. What? And have you ever done that before? You just beat yourself up. You're like, oh, man, that was just so, what was I thinking? I need to... To, to make this distinction. Humility isn't being hypercritical of yourself. That's not the path to humility. Sometimes we think it is. We think if I can just like, you know, just, just, just be really hard on myself, <laughs> I'll be humble. C.S. Lewis says this about humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Oh, you're stupid, you're dumb, what's wrong with you? You're never going to get this. That's not humility. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Right? It comes by, by not being preoccupied with oneself, by refusing to lift yourself up above God, up above other people. That's how it comes. And, and Jesus, of course, was the ultimate example of humility. In, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5, it says this about Jesus and his humility. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so David is tapping into this, He's tapping into this idea that, that I need to humble myself before God. If I want to still and quiet my soul, if I want to put my hope in God, if I want to trust in God, I first have to examine, is there any pridefulness in me? Can, and can I humble myself before God? Okay, the second thing that the psalmist tells us can, can get in the way of putting our hope in God and becoming a person of peace is our inability to recognize our own limitations. You know what I'm talking about? We live in a society that is terrible at this. <laughs> right? We, we, we fail all the time to recognize our own limitations. We say yes to too many things. We take on too much that, uh, that's impossible to do. We do it all the time. And, and the psalmist says it this way, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Now, David, is, the psalmist, is not suggesting that, that we abandon curiosity and learning. He's not saying, well, math is too hard. I just said, 
I'm not concerning myself with matters too great and awesome for me to get. Or he's, he, he, he's, he's not saying that we should throw our hands up and, and give up. He, 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 nor is he saying to, that we should you know, refuse to engage in problem solving. He's, he's not saying any of that. He's not saying we should ignore all the heavy things in the world. This isn't a statement of apathy. It's, it's a commitment to humility and trust. There's a huge difference. Right? He's essentially saying, I have limitations. I don't have all the answers. I can't fix everything that's broken in the world. I, I need God. I need others to help me who are wiser than me. It, it's a posture of humility that he's taking to say, I have limitations. Because the, the psalmist knew this, that when we refuse to acknowledge our limitations, we don't become people of peace. We become burned out. And how many times have you and I in our, in, in our lives reached right on the cusp or right in the thick of being burned out? All the time, right? And the psalmist knew this. And, 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 and it makes sense, right? Even Jesus, the Son of God, had limitations. You say, Adam, that sounds blasphemous. Let, let me ex- explain what I'm saying. Jesus had a human body with human limits. He had to sleep. He had to rest. He had to eat. He had to get nourishment. There were occasions when, when Jesus would withdraw from the crowds who needed him. And he would say, okay, Time out. I have to go away with my disciples to rest. What is that? That's a limitation. And he was honoring it. He acknowledged it and he honored it. He could only be in one place at a time. That's a limitation. <laughs> he had all these needs everywhere, but he could only be in one place at a time. It's a limitation. He once said, I only do what my father tells me to do. That's a limitation. <laughs> See, he recognized it. And if Jesus, the Son of God, recognized these limitations, why is it so hard for us to do so? We think we can do everything. We can solve every problem. We can carry every weight. We can fix everything that needs to be fixed. And what does it do to us? It leaves us overwhelmed. Here's a question for you to ponder. What if the reason we often feel frustrated, fatigued, noisy, overwhelmed, is because we simply refuse to acknowledge our own limitations. See, Psalm 131 reveals to us how our own pridefulness and our refusal to accept our limitations keep us from becoming people of peace, and they actually keep us from trusting God because they, they, they convince us to believe the lie that we can, we're, the, we're the solution to everything. I got this, right? And there's times when you don't got this. <laughs> and you got you to gotta lean on the wisdom of others. You got to lean on God and say, God, I, this is too big for me. I want to do something about it. I want to partner with you, but you got to do the, the, the heavy lifting, right? Let's look at verse two of this psalm because David shifts here. He says, instead of this, instead of being unable to recognize my limitations, instead of pridefulness taking over my heart. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. We've had four babies born in our church this last month, and I think a fifth is on the way soon, and you're going to hear some crying over the, over the next months. And parents will tell you this, there is a big difference between a nursing child and a weaned child. Right, the nursing child, 
They let you know <laughs> when they're hungry, when they want your attention, when they need something. You will hear it in cries, in shrieks, in, in screams. But a weaned child, once a child is weaned, they've learned that they don't have to cry and scream to get their parents' attention. They've learned some things. One, my parent cares about me and loves me. They're attentive to me. I don't have food right now, but eventually nourishment's going to come because they're looking out for me and they're with me and everything's going to be okay. And David uses this picture of a weaned child to describe what it looks like when we learn how to find rest in God. Right? When we learn how to find rest in God, we have all these troubles in our life and in the world, but we don't just go into a, 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 a screaming fit, right? Yeah, it's uncomfortable, there's all these issues, but I, I trust that God is here. I trust he's with me. He's going to provide. He's going to care for. And David offers this picture and says, I've learned to quiet myself like a weaned child. What's he saying? I've learned to put my trust that, that I'm the one who's going to solve this, but I've put it in God. To quiet oneself. I have a picture to show you. This is a picture of an anechoic chamber. And this picture is the second quiet, most quiet place on the whole planet. The quietest place on the planet is owned by Microsoft. It's not open to the public. This is in Minneapolis, and it is open to the public. So I'm showing you this picture. It's the second quietest place on earth. And this anechoic chamber is six stories underground. It has 12-inch concrete walls all around it. It has fiberglass um, absorbers and sound wedges on the floor, on the ceiling, on the walls. And it's used to test equipment to gauge noise and decibels but it's also become a tourist attraction. And the reason it, it's a tourist attraction is because when you enter this room, it, you get this strange sensation that you can find nowhere else on the planet. Because what happens when you enter this room is it completely sucks up every bit of sound. They say that when you go in this room, you can hear your bones creak and grind as you move, because it's so quiet. You can hear your organs functioning, you can hear blood flowing through your body in this room. The longest anyone's ever lasted in this room, anyone want to guess? Most tourists are seconds. The longest anybody's lasted is 55 minutes <laughs> because you're, it's just so quiet, it's so unique. And when people leave this room, the reason it's such a unique experience is because you are experience complete quiet for the first time. And when you leave the room, you get this perspective of, whoa, the world I live in is really noisy. <laughs> and, and what I love about Psalm 131 is it reminds me of a spiritual anechoic chamber. <laughs> like this, right? Like David's talking about, like, I have learned to quiet the noise, internal noise, external noise, all the static. I've learned to quiet my soul from it. And, and the question that, that I've been asking myself all week as, as I was writing this and preparing this message is what would it feel like to, to walk into an anechoic chamber, like a spiritual anechoic chamber, where all of the internal and external noise that was, maybe it's the, the pridefulness that's trying to convince me that I got this, <laughs> or maybe, maybe it, it's um, not recognizing my limitations and there's all these 
competing noise. All the pressures, all of the demands, all of the worries, right? What would it feel like to eliminate that? And how much peace could we have if we learned how to, to choose humility and recognize our own limitations and put our hope in Jesus? To, to, to transfer our residence from the anti-Psalm 31, the upside-down psalm, to the real Psalm 131. What would life look like? And so what I want to do this morning to close is I want to read these again. We're going to read the anti-Psalm first this time and then read psalm, the real Psalm 131. So let's read this again. Here's the anti-Psalm 131, the upside-down one. Self, I'm absorbed by you. I look down on other people, and I chase after things. Too great and too difficult for me. So of course I'm noisy and restless inside. It comes naturally. Like a hungry infant fussing on its mother's lap. Yes, like a hungry infant, I'm restless with my demands and worries. I scatter my hopes onto anything and everybody all the time. Now let's read Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. I'm going to pray for us in a minute that God would help us learn this psalm. And remember, it's a long one to learn. It's short to read, but it's a long one to learn. And you almost have to like, be ready for that. I have to learn how to humble myself and to evaluate pride in my heart. I have to learn how to, to, to be aware and recognize and acknowledge my own limitations. Right? I have to learn how to, to quiet myself. And so I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit helps us with that training, with that school. Because that's, again, that's something we can't do in our own strength, right? We have to ask God for his help. And in a minute, we're going we're gonna to sing a closing song. And I'm going to pray that that this room becomes like a spiritual anechoic chamber where we can allow God to just, to just meet us here because he's already here. He was here before we even showed up today. And, and, when, and when we sing that last song together, that maybe there's going to be some folks in the room who, who like, you just need to humble yourself and evaluate, hey, is there any pridefulness in my heart? Maybe for others, what, what you're, you're going to do in this space is, is Reflect on if, there, if there's anything any, any, um, that's inhibiting you from drawing close to God. Maybe for some, it'll, it'll be an experience of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not acknowledging the limitations I have. and I'm feeling overwhelmed and burned out. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, oh, I just need to just sit in this space and put my hope in God. So we're going we're gonna to do this psalm. 131 together. But let me pray for us first and then we'll sing. Let's pray. By the way, after we're done singing, we close the service. We're going to have prayer available up to the front here. Anybody who wants prayer for anything, 
doesn't matter what it is. We have some folks who would love to pray with you after. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, read this little short psalm. And even though it's short, it's three verses long, it is so challenging, especially in our, our society that we live in where we're told we can do everything. And we have so many opportunities to do so many good things, and yet they, they, they feel so overwhelming most of the time. But would you help us get to the place where we have enough humility to acknowledge our limitations, to confess our sin, to confess where we, we've, we've grown distant from you and your goodness? And Lord, would you help every single one of us learn how to quiet our soul? from all the internal noise, from all the external noise that just hounds us, it just, it's just around us all the time. Would you teach us how to quiet our soul like David the psalmist? Lord, even as we sing here in a moment, although there'll be, there'll be sounds, there'll be music, there'll be singing, Lord, we pray that, that it would be an, an anechoic chamber for us, that we, we could take time to examine our hearts and to confess and repent of anything that's getting in the way of you, Lord, and also to acknowledge our, our limitations and to put our hope in you. Um, Lord, would you quiet our souls so that we could hear your voice, we could hear your encouragement and goodness. Lord, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, Lord, help us to stay in that space. Lord, because we know that it's transformative. When we're, when we're in your presence and, and, and your word is, is, is washing over us, it's transformative. So God, do that work even today. And follow us this week as we engage, engage this passage in Psalm 131. And, and we, we trust that you will. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let, let's stand and sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.